Hi, I'm Mike David, and my thoughts and opinions are my own, and not a representation of the Movie Rose community, its sponsors, or its brands. Guess who's Bizak? Thank you so much for still downloading the show. I'm your host, Mike David, and this is The Commando. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six of The Commando. The title of this episode is called Unpredictable. Now, I could have told you some movie I wanted to tie in with it or some song. I actually had a song and an artist that I was going to say is basically the, huh, the UFC is equivalent to mystical. The rapper. If you don't know who Mystical the rapper is, or you don't remember who Mystical rap Mystical, the rapper is from the uh, I'm about it, about it era, the the Master P era. Um, I nicknamed this episode, or not nickname, but I want to relate this episode, these last couple of weeks, to Mystical. If you don't know the tragic story of Mystical. It's pretty, uh, I mean, I guess as life is itself, un- unpredictable. Mystical was on top of the world at one point, working with Neptunes, obviously um, originated working under Master P, but Mystical's life has turned into something that I, I don't even know if he knew it would turn into. Um, but turns out Mystical is a A1 scumbag. And he may still be in jail for crimes that he's committed. I bring up mystical. I bring up rap. I bring up unpredictability because of the last couple of weeks we've had in MMA. Whether it's the title changing hands for multiple champions um, who are expected to win. And a couple of other things as far as the MMA community is concerned and uh, some black eyes. Um, James Krause, bro. Like we were, I, I just talked about James Krause with the last episode or two. I did not think it would escalate so quickly. Anyways, today is Saturday, December the 3rd, December the 3rd. This episode is supposed to be released at least Friday morning, Thursday night. So I am late, but I said we're going to do this. We, I'm trying to be more consistent, and I'm getting there. We got, we got some shit. I have some shit coming. But I say all that, that to say, welcome to episode six of The Commando. Unpredictable. Unpredictable. Now, this episode may be shorter than the other ones. I know last time out the door, I was like, oh, yeah, it's not going to be as long as the previous episode. Still came in in about two hours. It was a little bit better because it didn't feel like two hours. Like the, uh, it, it didn't feel like two hours. I'll just leave it at that. But let's hop into UFC Fight Night. Thompson versus Holland. Yes, Thompson versus Holland. This is not an apex joint fight. Um, Orlando is getting blessed with a card. Uh, I don't want to say a sleeper card because a lot of these names on this card are bangers what surprised me the most as i even went back a couple weeks and started looking over the card to do prep to do research 
Tai Tuivasa. We're going to get more into Tai Tuivasa later, but the fact that Tai Tuivasa is fighting again after his uh, devastating loss to Sirogan, nasty loss to Sirogan. I, I was just surprised to see him back so quickly. I don't know what else to say besides that. I Maybe Ty, or it sounds like Ty won at this fight, which is sure. I mean, if you want to fight, what, what is the UFC going to say? No, go. <laughs> well, let's, let's wait a little bit longer to your brain can repair itself. I don't even know if the brain can repair itself. But Ty Tuvasa took a lot of damage in that last fight against Sirogan. And to see him against, or, you know, in this bout coming up against Sergey Pavlovich. Just another banger. It's the heavyweight division. So obviously, um, brain cells are, ah, it's going to be an expense. Again, we're going to get into more tied to Ivasa and Sergey Pavlovich later. But this is a banger card, regardless. This is a banger card. Now, I, I, I do want to get into some other things. Uh, MMA is going to be the main topic of discussion for this show. But to start off the back, to pay some bills, we do have the show companion up now. The show companion is up. If you go to movierolls.com, no, it's not Mavi Rolls. I don't know what other pronunciation you guys are applying to this. I, I've, heard some, I've heard some names, but it's Movie Rolls. M-O-V-I-R-O-L-L-Z.com. You go to MovieRolls.com, you're going to see the show companion. You're going to see the episodes for the podcast. And you're going to see a pretty clean setup for what we have now and what should be coming in the future. Now, the bigger thing or the difference between this MMA show, podcast, whatever you want to call it, and the difference between others is that I want to start producing this show companion in a more comprehensive way to where it's like a show, it's an episode magazine. So episode six's magazine slash show companion. Once it's up, you're going to see it kind of turn into something else. Each episode get better, more detailed, but for a comprehensive look at the fighters on the card, what's going to be on the show, um, various topics. I think I'm going to basically stick what, with the fighters that we're going to be talking about. But if anybody is not familiar with any of these fighters, if you're trying to get into MMA, if, um, I don't know, you just have that itch or scratch to not go search for images or certain stats on certain fighters it should be all or most of it we're, we're not gonna i'm not trying to make an encyclopedia but pertinent information will be on these uh show magazines these episode episodic magazines um but for the most part it's just a visual visualization of the commando now as always we were only sponsored by one, one, we only have one sponsor is basically what I'm saying. And it's Stadium, a sport odyssey. One of the 
dopest strategy cardboard games that I've ever experienced in my lifetime. And I, I don't I don't know if there's a better card or tabletop cardboard game out there, period. I I personally love Debo, the creator of Stadium, and I love the game. If you want to check out more Stadium, obviously you could check it out on the show companion. You can head over to Stadium, a sportodyssey.com, or if you head over to Movie Rolls and look through the show companion or even on the Movie Rolls site, you should see a link for stadium.com if you want to check out their reviews. Find them on GameFound. Tons of details on GameFound if you are interested in a tactical board game like this. Football season is in. And if you're a football fan at all, and I, I obviously I don't mean soccer because soccer is in. The World Cup is happening um, now. I mean football, American football. If you love American football, you need to check out Stadium, a sport odyssey, period. We'll get into more of Stadium later. Um, let's get into this episode. So first up, obviously, we're going to go over some recap. Recap for, obviously, it's been a week or two since I've been away, but I just want to get a couple of things off my chest. Obviously, the somber note, and this is probably one of the reasons why I kind of stayed away for a little bit, the somber note of Israel Adesanya losing his fucking title. That's a pretty somber note for me. Yes, I, I, I am a fan of Israel, but I also am pretty impressed by Alex Pejeta. I am supremely impressed by Alex Pejeta. Not only his time of being in MMA and coming to grab that UFC title, but watching the fight, watching Israel Asanya versus Alex Pejeta opened my eyes to a whole other slew of things that um, Alex may have done to this division. Like, I think Alex may have really, for lack of better words, fucked up the middleweight division. Now, for anyone who thinks, and again, I'm kind of hopping around since I'm most of the shit I talk about, I'm, I'm very excited about. That's why I hop around a lot because the the thoughts that race to my head regarding, regarding exciting fighters like Alex Pajeta, regarding the history or the, um, should I say, the lineage of Israel Asanya and what his career looks like post-defeat from Alex Pajeta. But I say a lot to say, these are all, everything that I talk about on my shows are things that I'm... It kind of scratching me a certain way um, that I am a little bit more passionate for. I do have favorites. Obviously, I like, I like to see bangers, but most of the shit I talk about on the show is things that I, I grab my attention and really make me scratch my head when it comes to MMA. And I mean, just gives me more of a, gives me more of a definition of a why I've loved the sport, the unpredictability of MMA. Period. First off, we're going to get into Ryan Spann. I know we're going to go back and forth as far as the main card. 
Um, we did miss a fight night, which was it was basically a sleeper of a fight night. It was some 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 things going on in that fight night that were uh, entertaining. But for the most part, let's get into this 281 card. So Ryan Span. Ryan Span, Ryan Span, Superman, Ryan Span. Um, oh my God. Ryan Spann versus Dominique Reyes. If you happen to miss this fight, I'm pretty sure everybody that's an MMA fan or specifically a USC fan, you've, you've, you saw this fight. I feel very, very bad for Dominique Reyes. And holy shit for Ryan Spann. In the blink of, a, in a blink of an eye, if you watch the finish, Ryan Spann finished Dominique Reyes. It, it's, it's, it, it looks weird. It looks like Ryan Spann manhandles Dominique Reyes with a hook. When in all actuality, it, it was basically an interrupted jab that Dominique Reyes stepped into. And it, it basically put his lights out. The hook just happened to be what Ryan Spann wanted to land. And the momentum of everything just, it throws Dominique Reyes' body to the ground, which this is like the third or fourth devastating KO for Dominique Reyes in a row. And I think it's his third. Yeah, I think it's his third. He, he, he got his nose broken by Jan Blahowicz. He... I don't know if he got his nose broken again, but he's, he got his face destroyed by Yuri Prohaska. And then Ryan Spann comes in out of nowhere and puts this guy's lights out off a, I don't even want to call it a jab, but it, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Ryan Spann has power. Now, I forgot other, the, some of the other things I wanted to get into with um, Ryan's. Oh, it, Ryan Spann says, or in his post-fight interview, he says something about this is his first time training for a fight. Now, that statement in itself not explained within the short time of a post-fight interview. I think what Ryan Spann was saying, and I may be completely wrong. But I think what Ryan Spann was talking about and he, what he alluded to in an interview is that it's this time spent training on a specific opponent, not time spent training to make weight, not time spent, you know, training techniques that basically are going to help you lose weight, but keeping you active as far as sparring is concerned. An actual opponent or training for an actual opponent. I think it gives us the result of what we saw against Dominique Reyes, which is, I know your flaws. Dominique Reyes likes, likes to push forward in a certain way, and the timing was just perfect. And it only took patience. I mean, obviously, besides the, the hammer power of Ryan Spann, it only took patience for him to land and end the fight first round. Will we see a shift from Ryan Spann going forward? I think so. I mean, I even think my short breakdown for Ryan Spann versus Dominique Reyes, I think Dominique Reyes would have been versatile enough 
to pull off the win. Yo, I honestly think at this point, and this is getting into our next subject, where does Dominique Reyes go from here? I think Dominique Reyes should retire. Dominique Reyes is very young, but as far as the damage he's taken within his last three fights, do we want to see him go through another fight for him to, how do I say this? Understand that his time may be done. I think the loss to John Jones fucked up Dominic Reyes more mentally than anybody probably anticipated. Now, we've seen John Jones fight people and break down their bodies as far as their careers being concerned. Like their careers being concerned, it's. It's like he slows him down. He, he breaks him up so much that all the repairs and the, the surgeries needed to, to bring them even back to a point of contention, it's kind of like too late at this point. For you to be able to perform at the highest level possible and have multiple surgeries on your knees, uh, being knocked out multiple times, uh, whatever other injuries you may obtain within a fight, it, it's got to shave some years off of your life it's got to shave some rounds off of your career I, I don't know how else to put that but i don't know where dominique reyes goes from here except for out of mma and this is not just to say that dominique reyes is washed i'm not saying dominique reyes can't get another win in but do we honestly see dominique reyes uh pushing for a title does he, is he going to stay around just for these exciting fights? Because that division is filled with killers. And it's not going to change. If, if Dominic Reyes keeps falling down this ladder, there's still killers on this roster. You make your way back up, you're going to be introduced to these guys again. So I hope Dominic Reyes is mentally okay. Physically, I hope he's okay. But for me, in my mind, as a, I don't know, a man that likes his brain, I think Dominic Reyes should uh, hang it up. 100%. I think he should hang it up. Based on the damage he's taken alone, he probably should think about walking away from UFC. He probably should be thinking about walking away from MMA or combat sports period what's next let's go to our next topic money moicano hanato moicano makes a statement post-fight interview at 281 and i'm pretty sure if you are an mma fan you've heard this around the web moicano was taking on this new form of um of himself and in doing so he has brought a lot of attention to himself, which is just what the UFC is for. The UFC is a platform for you literally to build yourself. They give you this platform for you to showcase you. And Hanada Moicano is doing just that. So wherever it clicked for him at, whenever he decided that, okay, it's time for me to transition. Maybe it was, um, as he has alluded to in some of his interviews, maybe he was just sick of the way he was being treated. Maybe he was sick of the way he was being treated and 
he finally had a, a break. Now, I don't know how many fights Moicano has le- in his contract. I, I probably ought to go over some more of his interviews and see if he actually specifies. But it, it makes you think about longevity, or at least in the fighter's mind, fighter's mind makes you think about longevity. And whatever's happening on the back end of Moicano's career, the parts that we don't see, the non-glamorous parts, the negotiations, the yeah, the disagreements he may have with the company, because I'm pretty sure everybody at some point in time has disagreements with their employer or the people they work with. Is he alluding to something more on why he's having such a push now? Will we see Moicano in the UFC? Once his contract or he has a couple of fights left on his contract, because we know if the UFC wants you, they're going to keep you and they're going to get that contract. Excuse me. They're going to get that contract extension before your new contract ends. What we're seeing with um, Paula Costa at this point is we can actually see the UFC doesn't want to resign. He has one fight left. He has expressed that he's looking past the UFC. Maybe Moicano's in some part of his brain, and he seems to be um, he seems to be all there. Maybe he's looking forward to the next step of what life looks like after the UFC. But I love Moicano. To get back to the Moicano in general, for the people that don't know um, who Hanada Moicano is, one of the dopest lightweights I've seen fight. Um, just put away Brad Riddell in a very, very entertaining fight. And I'm a Brad Riddell fan. Brad Riddell can bang, but Moicano went in there and finished him. So, um, again, shout out to Hanato Moicano. Hopefully his next fight is... Man, maybe he, he might get a fight night. Maybe he gets a main card. I think he should stay on pay-per-views, but... Give the man what he wants. He's always entertaining. The last fight or his fight with, previous fight with, uh, supposed to be fighting this weekend, RDA, supposed to be fighting today. Hanato versus RDA. RDA put in that work. But Hanato still looked, he, he stuck in there. Hanato stuck in there. He, he probably should have mitigated the damage, probably should have walked away, or uh, I don't even, can't even say they should have thrown a towel on that one, but. He's always been an entertaining fighter. He's always been game. That's the other part. He's always been game. Moving on to more unpredictability. Let's speak about Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison and Larissa Larissa Pacheco. Now I'm going to keep this brief because I did watch a lot. Well, I did watch some PFL. Um... I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know if the shock of Kayla Harrison losing has hit me. Um, Watching the fight, it looked like she, and again, this is, this is my opinion. This is fan talk, but it looked like she kind of didn't want to be there. Obviously, she was defending her tighter, and she put in that. She put in work. 
against Larissa Pacheco. But regardless of how they felt that night, Larissa Pacheco looked like she couldn't be stopped. And Kayla Harrison, for lack of better words, looked like she was just going through the motions for the third time. And she lost. Now, whatever Larissa Pacheco learned from the first two encounters and what she needed to do within those encounters to come out the better person, she obviously figured it out on this third fight. Given they may face each other again, I believe Kayla Harrison has two more fights in her contract, and she won't be participating in PFL's season, which is like four or five fights throughout the year. And then it moves on to the title for those not familiar with the PFL structure. So to have that many fights, four or five fights within a, a, a calendar year. And for you to come out, mind you, she probably would have beat anybody else looking that flat. But Larissa Pacheco was not having it. No disrespect to Kayla, because I obviously I think she can come back. And if she faces Pacheco again, maybe she has a new wrinkle to her game or she, she, she has, maybe she's given, Kayla, Harris's, Kayla Harrison is given that additional fire that she needs to say, you know what? I do want to, I do want to be here. I don't want to go through the motions. I do want to show you that I am still the best woman's lightweight. Yeah, unpredictable. For sure. MMA is super unpredictable. Moving on. So these last two tidbits, these last two topics, tidbits. Um, this first one is, was a shocker to me. And it shows you, again, that's why the name of this episode is called Unpredictable. It shows you the unpredictability of a person's life, of the MMA game, of injury. And to put it blatantly, Yuri Prohaska, who just fought Glover Teixeira and beat him for the title, Yuri Prohaska, the UFC's light heavyweight champion, vacates his title. He walks away because of a devastating injury. Or an injury he believes is a career-damaging injury that he needs to step away for. Now, with him vacating the title, he shakes. And I don't know. That, that sounds, I don't use, like to use the same fucking trope, shakes up the division. He redefines the division by vacating the title. Because now you have this movement at the top where Glover can fight for the title, but he only wants to fight against specific people and i think the ufc wants to go in a different direction as far as the life of the division the title was switched some switched hands so many times since john jones has vacated the title to move up to heavyweight to excuse me to move up to heavyweight and it seems like these champions can't hold on, or these new light heavyweight champions can't hold on to the title past the fight. It's like they get the title and 
either lo- you know defend it once and then lose it on the next bout or can't even defend it once which shows you again how dope John Jones was why heavyweight division is nothing to play with that's those are some really really bad men with speed and power in my brain i mean you know mma math i believe anybody from light heavyweight moving up to heavyweight or moving down to middleweight would be a problem for both divisions because you carry so much of the speed and power to either division so Yurive gets vacates the title Nikolaev is supposed to fight Jan Blahovich for the title at UFC 282, which should be interesting. I think if Nikolaev wins, that is the redefining of the division. And if he's able to reign over the division for two or three fights, the UFC can start to build off of his name. That's what I think about the whole Yuri vacating. That's what it probably should shake out to be. Last part I want to get into, as far as recap is concerned, Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez released from jail or out on bail from trying or for um, being accused of attempted murder. For attempted murder on the man that may or may not have molested his child, which is still. Still hard to even fucking comprehend. But Cain Velasquez was given the green light to, I guess, perform in a Luce Libre AAA event. Which is kind of off the wall given that he has to wear a GPS tracker as far as part of his agreement for being on bail. Um, or being out on bail. I would, I would, I'd love to see if he's going to wear the tracker during the fight that's that would be not to you know minimalize the situation but that would be interesting to see shout out to Cain Velasquez for him getting the approval to go make some money that's what I see this as him being given a chance to go make some money for this trial him being given a chance to still be able to work and lead live a life that even the man he tried to, uh, uh, you know, quote unquote, he hasn't been convicted yet. But even the man he was going after and trying to kill was out on bail living his life. Why can't Cain Velasquez do the same until the trial? So uh, it's good to see. Um, he may make some bread in this Lucha Libre AAA event because everybody's going to be, I, I don't, who's not going to be watching? Who's not going to want to see Cain Velasquez for, again, having a good time? I don't know how else to put it. Like, this is such a tragic event surrounding this man. We would love to see him in a different light. We would love to see him back in his element, or should I say, right? I would, at least. Moving on. All right. Let's get into the main event, some main event stuff from the recap. 
and I'm going to go through this as quick as possible because it, it is more so uh, about two fights from the 281 card. Just some quick, thought, some quick thoughts. So first up, one of my favorite fighters in the lightweight division, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. What a banger of a fight. What a conundrum of, what a, what a confusing fight. To see Michael Chandler be put in certain situations to where he, he it, looking at the fight and just knowing the, knowing some of the stuff that's going on now that we probably didn't know that was going on during the fight, but between the fish, fish hooking, between the blood that was pouring out of Chandler's nose onto Dustin's face, those were the two things. Well, I didn't see the fish, fish hooking initially, but the blood pouring out of Chandler's nose onto Poirier's face was one of those more disgusting things like um, Luke Rockhold, you know, letting blood flow out of his face onto Paula Costa. Um, entertaining fight, but it was one of those wow moments of this is really bloody. This is really different. This is this is a different fight. Obviously, I always thought Chandler would pull that pull out the winner on that fight, but he's it's it's his last. I don't know how far you want to go back, Max. How I. I can you find a boring Dustin Poirier fight? That's, that's probably the, the, the leading question here. Can you find a boring Dustin Poirier fight? I don't think so. Anyways, moving on. Let's get into the, the main main event for 281. Now, this is in a, uh, a Alex Pajera, Pajera jerk moment. This is, this is just more of some observations. Still love Izzy, but Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pajeda cannot be ignored on uh, several levels. Now, I think I might start nicknaming Alex Pajeda uh, uh, Terminado, you know, like, you know, Portuguese for the Terminator, because this man left, or this man. I'm not going to say chased, but followed Israel Asanya to a whole nother sport just to beat him. It's just some type of zoning in or hate for Israel Asanya or dislike or whatever it is. And you can kind of see it in their whole demeanor with each other. It's like a cordialness, but there's no touching of the gloves. There's no handshakes. There's no well wishes. Uh, there's respect for sure. But it just seems like these two individuals were born to face each other. Now let's get into this, which most likely we would see a, a, a fourth fight between Israel Adesanya and Alex Pajeda. But it just seems like Alex Pajeda may have Israel's number for sure, for sure. Now, first impressions, uh, Israel's endurance was is what's needed to beat Alex Pajeda. I would love to see a statistic on 
strikes landed from Alex Pajeda on Israel Asanya compared to Izzy's other opponents? Like, basically, what is the strike differential between what Robert Whitaker's landed, even Kevin Gaslam? Has Alex Pajeda basically showed what the blueprint is, and it's not an easy blueprint unless you're fucking 6'4 and look like a heavyweight. Um, but Alex kind of has the blueprint, or he is the blueprint for beating an Israel Adesanya. Another thing that stood out is Alex Pajeda's ability to pressure. Now, his pressure was based off several things. It wasn't just based off his activity. It was based off the danger of him striking. That was the pressure. Him coming forward and knowing it at any moment, if you decided decided to throw and Alex would counter, he might catch you. Thing about it is, he only has to catch you once or twice. And that counter hook from hell was the pressure. He put constant pressure on Izzy for five rounds. The other point for Alex Pajada is his ability to cover distance being so long. Being able to cover distance against Izzy and land a couple of head kicks, head kicks, even though some of them kind of brushed off of Izzy's head or brushed off his shoulder. Some of the kicks landed, uh, at least one or at least one of them. It, you, you can kind of see Izzy didn't even see it coming. So just imagine if it was in a different, if it was in a different spot, if it was a little bit more flush. Can we see Izzy get knocked out over a, a head kick? Basically the same thing he does to opponents when it's time to kickbox. Now, for some reason, well, not for some reason, obviously we know the reason, but Izzy knew he couldn't stand the whole time with Alex. He knew this. He knew there had to be a new strategy between keeping the, or if you couldn't keep the distance between Alex, and then once he did pressure, negating some of that power, which in the clinch, Alex, as I'm pretty sure I said this the previous episode, Alex was dangerous in the clinch. He was dangerous. Now, I, I see this regarding Alex Pajeda versus Izzy, and I kind of see this with Alex Pajeda fighting probably anybody else. If you're not able to finish finish Alex Pajeda, I don't... It would be interesting to see who can last five rounds. Now, I don't want to say definitively, because obviously someone can be the blueprint for Alex, but at the moment, I don't see anybody beating Alex Pajeda with his strengths if you can't take him down and finish him and you just happen to go five rounds with the man i don't know if points uh, if you're going to be able to move enough or keep your distance because mind you he's a champion now so 
him having the title, it's only going to be five round fights unless he moves up in weight class and takes a, you know, a, a, a fight with Chimaya possibly, because that's been, then, you know, that's been talked about, but he's a big man. He can move up in weight classes and take those fights, even if he's going for that light heavyweight title. And we're not even going to get into that just yet, because that's going to, that's going to re-redefine the light heavyweight title, which I think he will have a problem with some of the bigger guys there when wrestling is more of the play. But I don't think Izzy can beat Alex Pejeta unless he finishes him. Now, I spoke about this, or this is one of the earlier things that I spoke about regarding Izzy's endurance. Izzy's endurance is one of his staples. And he's always speaking about um, how much work he puts into preparing for fights as, as, as far as cardio is, is concerned. Now, the other thing here is, it, who else would possess the type of cardio or endurance that Izzy has? And will it matter, given that, if Alex is able to land that hook, body, you know, body shots, leg kicks, if Alex is able to pressure and put as much damage on somebody as elusive as Israel Asanya, who, who else can be prepared for that? Who else can take that much damage and last five rounds? I, Robert Whitaker? Maybe. But if Robert Whitaker can't take Alex Mahetta down, that's not going to be a long fight. I, it's not going to be a long fight. Now, a little final, final part about this is um, it's kind of funny and it's not funny. But there's a part in maybe the second round of Izzy versus Alex Bejeda. And this is like obviously, again, my opinion. But it looks like Izzy forgets he's in an MMA fight and that the gloves are a little bit smaller or a lot bit smaller. And he almost shells up with a high guard for a split second until he remembers that he has Alex pa pa Poetan, pa Pereira. He has Alex Pajeda standing in front of him and he, he kind of, he, he gets rid of his guard almost immediately when he's like, oh, well, I can't absorb this punch. I need to move my head. And at that point, you kind of, it's a reassuring moment to tell you Alex Pajeda's power is a fucking problem. Blocking or not, it's a problem. Can't wait to see these two dudes fight again. To, to, to wrap that part, to wrap this up, I can't wait to see Israel Asanya versus Alex Mejeta for a, a second MMA fight, being their fourth overall fight. Now, let's move on to what's coming up tonight as far as UFC fight night, Thompson versus Holland. I love Wonderboy, FYI. N nothing against Kevin Holland. Um, I just love Wonder Boy and his karate style. Wonder Boy to me looks like a 
an unassuming white guy or kind of like a, a, yeah, unassuming white guy who the wrong person might just say something to or fuck with, fuck with him. And it, it just seems like Stephen Thompson would, I don't know, just start whipping ass in a suit. Like, I, I, I think that's one of the scariest things to see someone you perceive as just being some nice, you know, some nice white guy. And he's one of the greatest kickboxers to grace the planet. Mind you, I believe he's undefeated in kickboxing. But what a, what a nice fucking dude. Like, I don't know. I wonder how much talking is going to be in this belt. I wonder how much talking is going to be in the fight against Kevin Holland versus Steven Thompson because, you know, Kevin's going to run his mouth regardless. I, I don't, I can't remember one fight where he didn't, but how can you be such a gentleman in the ring? And Steven Thompson is a gentleman in the ring. He, he'll, you know, headbutt you or, you know, accidentally like ask you if you're okay, <laughs> you know? He might jab your face off and then, you know, ask you, can you breathe okay? Like, I, I don't, Stephen Thompson's different. Stephen Thompson is different. Now, let's run through this uh, couple of select fights that kind of stick out to me regarding uh, this fight night Orlando event. Oh, man, this is, uh, let's go. 45 minutes, we're, we're, we're doing good time right now. Let's go. All right. So the first fight I want to touch bases on. Natan Levy versus Renato Valdez. Now, after checking out a Renato fight, he does have a fight with... Uh, Matt Frivola, which is a pretty wild fight, and then he gets KO'd by Matt Frivola. But within the fight, there's it's a wild fight. It's a very, very wild fight that Hanato Valdez has with Matt Frivola. But in looking at the fight, there, there are some blaring things that kind of stick out to me regarding Valdez. I believe he has an issue with resetting when he's out of position. And he just likes to continually continue to strike even when out of position, which I believe led to him being KO'd by Matt Frivola. Will this be a problem with Natan Levy? I don't know. But I believe pressure, pressure and patience, pressure and patience should work for Valdez against Natan Levy. Now, I've been watching Natan Levy fight since LFA. And Natan Levy is very, very versatile. Leg kicks, uh, just striking overall. You, you may see him tr transition in strikes and maybe some groundwork, but for the most part, most part, he likes to keep it standing. Now, the dude is ripped. and. He has a couple of decisions on his record, which, you know, you can tell his cardio has been pushed before. 
but he always comes out around the the end of the first, maybe the second round, looking a little a little slower than you know, obviously the start. But how much of that is actual fatigue? How much of that is from the weight cut? Now, as I mentioned before, Natan Levy does have diverse striking, and I think that's his path to victory: keeping distance. And using his weapons, using his leg, his diverse leg kicks, using his striking, and keeping Hanato Valdez at a distance. Uh, I'm probably going to say this a lot this episode, but uh, I don't think they should be clinching. It's a three-round fight, so I don't think cardio is going to be that much of a factor. But for Natan Levy, I think distance is going to be the best factor or the key factor for him winning this fight. Now, again, he's dope on the ground. Mixing it up with some ground strikes, if the clinching does get to um, be a major point in this fight. Also, last tidbit about Natan Levy. I, I believe he is durable enough to win a decision. At least a decision over Valdez. Uh, is he tough enough to finish Valdez? I don't know. Will Valdez finish him? I don't, besides being submitted, I don't know if I see Natan Levy getting knocked out. I'm going to go with Natan Levy on this one, though. Let's go to our next fight. Again, another one that sticks out to me because of, I guess uh, for lack of better words, my love for Tracy Cortez. If you're not familiar with Tracy Cortez, she is the, I don't know if you see the fiance, the wife, or the girlfriend of Brian Ortega, but Tracy Cortez is deceivably strong. Now, she will be facing Amanda Hebos tonight, and I'll say this, obviously, Tracy Cortez is most likely going to try to get this, get this to the ground. If not, I don't know if she has a, too much of a path to victory. She can't take damage, but I think giving her deceivable strength, her best work is going to be in a scramble or on the ground or this one. Ground and pound might win her the fight if she can't submit he boss, because he boss is nice on the ground. Um, let's get into more of he boss for a minute. Now, her forward pressure is a staple of her fighting style. I'm not a fan of her feints. Now, she has, to me, two feints. One that doesn't work for me, the way, from what I've seen at all. And the other feint that does kind of set up her forward pressure. Now, one of the feints, and this is where I think timing becomes a factor, she likes to jerk her head. She almost kind of jerks her whole body in a sense of, you can tell she's not committing. You can tell she's fainting, which is, it kind of mutes the point of feigning. Not only that, her dedication to the strike or dedication to... Um, 
if it's a feint or if she is throwing a strike. I think there's some, there's a missing piece there. I, I don't think she believes in her strikes enough for the type of feigning that she does. Now, given that she's the one in the ring, maybe she does see, or maybe she gets the, the necessary reads from fainting or the, her style of fainting. From what I've seen, when she's contested, when she's contested on these feints, when she's pressured from not fulfilling, you know, not basically falling through with a feint, with a punch, she happens to get pressured and run, run through pretty, pretty consistently, should I say. Now, she has ground control via judo. I mean, she's a mixed martial artist, but I believe judo is one of her specialties. Um, in her fight against Mackenzie Dern, which Mackenzie Dern is a ground specialist, she was able to control Mackenzie Dern. She had no respect for Mackenzie Dern's power. And her feigning style, the way she was feigning in that fight, it actually worked for her. Because she had no respect for her opponent's power when it, became to, when it came to Mackenzie Dern. The other part of this is Amanda Hebos is very hittable. She's very hittable. And she can be overwhelmed when interrupted. In this fight, she's going to she's going to have to keep her guard high. She's going to have to keep her hands and her guard up when transitioning in and out of range facing Tracy Cortez. Now, again, I believe he boss should win if this stays on the feet, but she has a tendency when she faints, when she's jerking in, to keep her hands out of place even when she is in range, which makes her very hittable, very hittable. Um, slight note, she did finish Paige Van Zandt. The other side of that is she was finished by Amanda Rodriguez. And it was one of those fights with the, the, the Herb Dean stoppage. It was a weird, that was a weird fight. It was the fight where he kind of touched Amanda Rodriguez. Like, he, you know, he was going in to stop it and kind of touched her, but didn't really touch her. So, you know, Amanda thought it was over, but then had to go back and finish the job. You, you ever, you know, sorry for being, you know, explicit, but you ever... Take a shit and wipe and think you did a good job and then find out that you actually did not do a good job and you got to go back in. That's, it's, a it's, a, it's a bad feeling. <laughs> How bad do you think that feeling felt when she thought she won the fight and understood, no, you actually got to go back and finish knocking this chick out. Like you, you need to finish, you need to finish, finish the job. Very, very Herb Deanish stoppage. Moving on, let's talk about Michael Johnson versus Mark DeCasey. Now, this is an odd one. This is a fucking odd fight, and I kind of went back and forth on who I see winning this fight or capitalizing in this fight. 
I'm going to go with Michael Johnson in this one and not to let the cat out of the bag too soon, but, and we're going to get into why, but if Michael Johnson did his homework, he knows exactly, he knows exactly what Mark DeCasey is coming in this fight to do. Now, Johnson is nasty on the ground. I believe he is a wrestler, but his ground and pound is vicious. And since he believes in his ground game so much, he likes to stand. If DeCasey comes out wrestling like he did his last two fights, I don't think he's going to get the result he's looking for. If he's able to mix it up, sure. But again, I think Michael Johnson keeps this fight standing. I don't think DeCasey can manipulate him like he did his last two opponents. Now, the other thing that Michael Johnson has that Mark DeCasey's two last opponents didn't have, besides, you know, the ability to wrestle, it's the movement and speed. Michael Johnson has lateral movement and speed that may... We're going to have to see something new from Mark DeCasey. We're going to have to see Mark DeCasey strike in this one. Can he, can he strike with Michael Johnson? Can he be diverse enough in striking or the exchanges to mix it up enough if he you know, decides to clinch and dirty box and whatnot? Can, can he get the best of Michael Johnson? I don't, I don't, I'm going to say no. Given the reason why he had to wrestle his last two fights out. I believe Mark DeCasey was on a chopping block a, a couple of fights ago. That's why he had to come out and not really worry about being entertaining, entertaining, but walking away with that dub. If Johnson can be patient in this one, I think if Mark DeCasey starts to get a little frustrated the first round, second round of, you know, being denied takedowns, I think Michael Johnson can get a, a KO second round. Now, looking at the weigh-ins, it does look like um, Mark DeCasey is, 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 okay, I can't say significantly better, significantly bigger, but it, it, Mark DeCasey is bigger than Michael Johnson. How much of, the, of that will be a factor as far as reach and rehydration is concerned? Now, on Mark's part, let's, let's talk about Mark for a split second. How do I see him winning this fight definitively? So he's going to need leg kicks, leg kicks, and leg kicks. Because you're going to have to slow down Michael Johnson. Now, the, 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 the messed up part about the whole leg kick scenario and him basically dedicating as many leg kicks as possible to disrupting Michael Johnson's movement is if Michael Johnson decides to take him down. Is Michael Johnson a better wrestler than Mark DeCasey? If, that's, if it boils down to that, if it boils down to deciding whether Mark DeCasey is better than Michael Johnson at wrestling, I think that would be the defining part of this fight. And if Michael Johnson decides to wrestle, I think he may have more... I think he may have more success over Mark DeCasey. Now, Mark DeCasey, given that he's come out, the, out wrestling his last two opponents, I think his cardio is going to be on point. 
I think his cardio is going to be on point. So I say all that to say, yes, I do believe Michael Johnson walks away the winner, but I would love to, I'm, I'm going to, it'd be interesting to see how, how he uses his cardio if he, is, if, if he isn't able to expend it wrestling. Now, moving on to some main event fights. Mind you, I'm not going over every fight. We'll be here all fucking day. Um, and these are some, again, fights that have stuck out to me. Some of my favorite fighters. Uh, some of these fighters that are need to get a win. Might, might be on the chopping block soon if, if a couple more losses add up. A couple more consecutive losses. Now, I'm saying all that, that, that to say, like, you know, like people's records are the best. Michael Johnson, I, again, I'm giving Michael Johnson the nod. Michael Johnson might have one of the worst records currently in the UFC. I think he's currently sitting at 21 and 18, 21 wins with 18 losses. I don't know. Maybe there is luck for Dominique Reyes after all. Anyways, let's get into this, these main event fights. First up is Eric Anders versus Kyle Dawkins. Now, if you know me, if you know the show, I am a Kyle Dawkins fan. I am a Dawkins brother fan. I, I don't know about this fight, though. And I think I switched my... I, I have switched my verdict as far as who I think wins this fight. So, let's talk about Eric Anders for just a second. He needs a win, in my opinion. He has a shaky record. He has four, okay. Shaky is, I'm using the word lightly. He has four wins in his last 12 fights. It's not a typo. Ouch. Four wins in your last 12. Now, there's some draws in there. Obviously, there's losses in there. But there's like one draw in there. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. Um, in this fight against Kyle Dawkins, Eric Anders might find himself in a, in, in a good fight given what Kyle Dawkins is coming off of. And I'm going to speak a lot towards this because I think it is a huge point that may not be spoken about within the UFC um, broadcast. Um, maybe some other shows may speak on it briefly, but I think it's very significant when we, when we speak about Kyle Dawkins. And we're, that's his injury. That's his, his damaging, his career damaging, if not life damaging injury or loss to Roman Delice. Roman Delice, who would be stepping up against Jack Hermanson later. We will get into some Roman Delice talk. But that fight can't be ignored. The injury that Kyle Dawkins sustained can't be ignored. This is why I think Eric Anders um, may find himself in a good spot as far as Kyle Dawkins goes mentally, mentally and physically. Now, 
Eric Anders' size and power cannot be ignored. Clinching and takedown should be avoided by Kyle Dawkins. Uh, if Eric Anders decides to go for a clinch or des- decides to wrap up with Kyle Dawkins, um, I think Eric Anders is going to be the better man in the clinch. He is huge. His legs are like fucking tree stumps. And I don't think Kyle Dawkins has the size to take him down. He's going to need perfect timing and technique. If he, if he is going to clinch or take down Eric Anders, he's going to need perfect timing. He's going to need a technique that kind of eliminates, again, which is going to have to be perfect. It kind of eliminates the size of Eric Anders, which I just said can't be ignored. Now, Anders being a Hulk, distance will work in Kyle's favor. So, even though most of Kyle Dawkins' fights, he, he, he has to clinch. It's almost like a, a necessity in his toolkit. Now, let's get into Kyle Dawkins just a little bit. If he is going to win, his path to victory for, in my opinion, um, it's going to be his speed and technique. He has to be patient. He has to have movement against Eric Anders, and he has to be patient. If he does go for, again, if he does go, if Kyle does go for takedowns, Hopefully he's doing it when Anders is off base. Hopefully he's doing it when Anders is at the greatest disadvantage so Kyle can stay out of being in a clinch too long. Stay away from any damaging shots to his face. Mind you, the whole point of of my concern in this fight is the damage to Kyle Dawkins' face where it's broken in, I believe, Three places. We're gonna get. We're gonna go. We're gonna. We're gonna scratch on that now. Why this is so personal for me, or I don't know if I don't know if personal is the right phrasing of words. I obviously do not know Kyle Dawkins personally, but as a fan and having genuine concern for a human life, for having genuine concern for fighters that I are that are my favorites or I would just even say for fighters that are my favorites or not like I have a general concern for McGregor breaking his leg I don't fucking know McGregor but that's a devastating injury to take on to entertain us thank you thank you now if she's still alive I can only imagine what Mrs. Dawkins thinks that this sport is doing to her sons. Kyle walked away from his Kyle walked away from his last fight with a devastating injury that left a metal plate in his face. I don't I it might still be in his face, it might still be in his head, but that's 
that shit you get stopped at security for in the airport and they're they're wondering why the metal detectors are going all going off and, and you're butt naked like what do you have stored on you that's it's a career slash life ending injury now in addition to what physically may be going on with Kyle Dawkins, what mentally might be going on with Kyle Dawkins? Like, he's coming off his first KO. Again, we've spoke about it at nauseum regarding the, the injury itself. How, did, how, how does this change Kyle Dawkins? Has this changed Kyle Dawkins? Is he back too soon? It's kind of like the same question about Tai Tuivasa. Is Kyle Dawkins back too soon? Was he not away long enough? Now, Roman Delite, it's not like he fought Roman Delite a year ago. He fought Roman Delite very recently, and Roman Delite is about to have his second fight after Kyle Dawkins. Now, like I said before, I, I did kind of switch this last minute. Be, given the durability of Eric Anders, I believe he may pull off a decision against Kyle Dawkins. If Kyle Dawkins isn't able to take him down, if Kyle Dawkins isn't able to stand and strike with him, which Kyle Dawkins can strike when he stays at distance, but I don't know if Kyle has the power to just disrupt Eric Anders' game. And Eric Anders, being that Kyle Dawkins is most likely going to clinch, I think that's where Eric Anders wins this. If it gets to the ground, I think that's where Eric Anders wins this. And I'm not speaking off of ground technique or grappling. I am speaking specifically off the size of Eric Anders. So... I, I, let's see if this bites me in the ass. I would love for Kyle Dawkins to win by decision. But I think Eric Anders is going to pull this one off. Now, let's get into a fight that I, I'm... Obviously, I don't think I'm going to be able to watch this live, but um, I can't wait to see this one. And that's Jack Hermanson versus the aforementioned Roman Delice. Now, Roman Delice is stepping up for Derek Brunson, who was scheduled to fight Jack Hermanson. Which is, this is the second time there's been a last-minute switch to the opponent for Jack Hermanson. Last time around was Chris Curtis, who couldn't really figure it out against Jack Hermanson. And I'm pretty sure Jack Hermanson had, he was focusing on fighting Till, which he had trained for. But Roman Delice, to me, I think he's adequate enough on the ground, again, to keep this one Excuse me, to keep this one standing. Now, I believe Jack Hermanson is in a weird position in this fight because he is fighting someone who is nice on the ground and nice on the feet. On not nice on the feet, I think Roman Delice is a little bit more versed on the ground. So, given that Chris Curtis was not really a ground specialist, but has great takedown defense. And Jack Hermanson 
basically stood with him the whole time and kept him at distance. Can he do that to Roman Delite? I think Roman Delite might have more of a more of a variety of strikes. More more I believe Roman Delite is a more complete fighter than Chris Curtis. No disrespect to Chris Curtis. But I believe Roman's arsenal as far as standing is concerned, should be able to contest with Jack Hermanson, especially Roman Delite's power. Since, uh, yeah, I kind of do see Jack being the first to go for a takedown. I see him being the first to shoot. I, I mean, I'm not going to say he may be the first to clinch, but him trying to take Roman Delite down just to see how much of that power is real, how much of you know, um, how much of an issue it's going to be or be in this three round fight. Now, this can't be ignored, and this is more of a bigger staple for me regarding Jack Hermanson, but. Jack Hermanson is three and three in his last six fights. And what I read in that, my analytics, he does not do well against bigger guys. Roman Delite is bigger than Jack Hermanson. And I think that size factor, that power factor, is going to be a problem for Jack Hermanson. I think it's going to be a big problem. Obviously, if you don't know where the fuck I'm going with this, I think Roman Delice, if not KO, can walk away with the decision against Jack Hermanson. All right. A couple more to go through, and that will wrap it for this episode. But let's get into the banger we talked about. Before we get into the main, main event, let's, take and talk, let's talk about the... Huh. If 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 I was able to give a guarantee in life and say, oh, you know, you know, they say don't there's no promise of tomorrow. If I was able to sit here and give you a promise, I could promise you that Tai Tuivasa versus Sergei Pavlovich is gonna be a banger. That someone is gonna get knocked out. That's like a, that's a guarantee. That's like you take this to the bank and they're gonna cash this for you. This fight's going to be a banger. Who's going to get knocked out? I don't know. I think it might be Ty. I think Sergey Pavlovich, size-wise, power like I think Sergey is going to be an issue for Ty. Now, mind you, Ty is just coming off a... I believe he was knocked out in that fight. Regardless, he took some damage in the fight. I think Ty's coming back too fast. And obviously, he can prove us, prove me wrong, but I don't think he should be back this soon. The difference for this one, um, we know Tai Tuiv also likes to bang. Patience. Patience for Sergey. Patience for letting Tai get a little bit too wild at the wrong times and capitalizing. The only other factor, this is the X factor, does Sergei Pavlovich have the chin to take a shot from Tai Tuivasa? 
Now, I guess that's something that you can't bet on until you actually see it. But if Tai Tuivasa can land one, will, will that be it? I know his phrase is, if I could dink you, I can sink you. Let's, I believe Tai Tuivasa will be able to get off a couple of shots. I mean, shit, he got off. And he got off the needed shots against Cyril Gaon. And Cyril Gaon just happened to have enough to um, snap out of it before it was the end for him. Can he tap Sergey? And does Sergey have that switch to either turn back on or not get knocked out? Period. That's going to be the, the X factor in this one. Banger of a fight regardless. Guaranteed. Moving on to our main, main, main event. Stephen Thompson. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland. I don't really like calling him Big Mouth. It sounds like it's, it's a stupid fucking nickname to me. Maybe, there we go. We'll go with Trailblazer. Kevin Trailblazer Holland. <laughs> um, I have several thoughts, several brief thoughts regarding this fight. Given that these both of these gentlemen are smart as smart as hell when it comes to game planning or um, understanding what their opponents bring to the table, and I'm pretty sure Wonder Boy knows that Kevin Holland has a lot of body, and I don't know if we've really seen, but besides him being wrestled, I don't know if we've seen people go to Kevin Holland's body. Will Steven Thompson create enough space with his sidekicks, with his kicks in general? Um, and what type of damage will he do to Kevin Holland's body? What type of damage will he do to Kevin Holland's cardio? And this being tested over five rounds, can Kevin Holland catch Wonder Boy? I think he can. I think Kevin Holland's hands are, are very accurate. I mean, shit, he caught... Cowboy Cerrone, or excuse me, Cowboy Oliveira, with a with a moving shot. It was it was a weird moving shot where Cowboy tried to duck out, and Kevin Holland knew exactly where he was going to be and 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 cleaned his clock with Wonder Boy's timing and movement. Can Kevin Holland, within five rounds, figure him out? Can Kevin Holland find his chin enough to put Stephen Thompson out? We've seen Stephen Thompson get knocked out. Can the reach factor for Kevin Holland, can the height factor for Kevin Holland be enough to give Stephen Thompson issues? Now, this may be one of the tallest fight, the tallest and lankiest fighters Stephen Thompson has faced. That may be an issue for Stephen Thompson. Distance as well. I think distance is going to be an issue if, if Stephen Thompson can't dictate what's going on between that distance. I think the reach with, for Kevin Holland is going to be a problem. Now, Stephen Thompson against Jeff Neal. Again, this is MMA math. 
Stephen Thompson against Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal just couldn't figure it out. Jeff Neal did figure out small pieces here and there, but he wasn't consistent enough to beat Stephen Thompson. Whenever the pressure was put on Stephen Thompson in the, in the right way, Jeff Neal was succeeding. Can Kevin Holland kind of negate that distance? Can he put enough pressure on Stephen Wonderboy to touch him enough to make him fold? And mind you, Stephen Thompson is older. Stephen Thompson is prone to injury. We've seen him, or if you can remember the Jeff Neal fight, he got injured in the Jeff Neal fight, I believe throwing a, a will kick or even landing on his knee the wrong way or his landing on his leg the wrong way. And you see this knot just protrude from Stephen Thompson's knee or leg. That's also a factor. Giving the age gap, giving, given that Stephen Thompson is as every fighter is, but more so because Stephen Thompson is so high in age, he's prone to injury. Will he injure himself in this fight? Is he coming into, and this is a bigger factor of shit we need to ask as people even enter fights. Are you, in, are you entering this fight injured? Is Steven, is Steven Thompson 100%? I guess we're going to see. Do I have a final call on Stephen Thompson versus Kevin Holland? Um, I would like to think the movement of Stephen Thompson should be enough for Kevin Holland to figure out within five rounds and if Steven Thompson starts to slow down for a second, if Steven Thompson going into those fourth and fifth rounds, maybe even the third round, starts to slow down and it's not as lateral or he's not as active, I think Kevin Holland can put that sting on him. And given this is, I believe, the first five-round fight for Kevin Holland, I, I, maybe not. I got to look back in the, maybe he's had some main events that have gone five rounds. Um, maybe it gets like Derek Brunson and Vittori, but will his power be able to carry five rounds, not wrestling? Sure. Sure. Can he carry that knockout power into the fourth and fifth round? I guess we're going to see. I'm going to go with Kevin Holland on this one. I think within five rounds, no, I don't think Steven Wonderboy is going to finish Kevin Holland. Can it happen? Sure. I don't think it's going to happen. I think if not by the second or third round, if, if Kevin Holland can't knock him out by the second or third round, I believe he may win by via decision. See, that, I can't even say that. If I say decision, it, it kind of sounds like Wonder Boy. I can see Kevin Holland by KO. I don't know if I see him by decision. But I'm going to go with Kevin Holland on this one. Whether it's by KO or decision, I'm going to go with Kevin. I'm going to be definitive. I'm going to go with Kevin Holland on this one. I love Steven Wonderboy, but I think he's getting, he's getting up there. And looking at, his, let's, looking at Steven Thompson's record, it's not good. Within Steven Thompson's last, let's see, let's count how many fights, let's count how many wins he's had within his last six or seven fights. So let's do it this. 
let's let's do it this way. With within Stephen Thompson's last nine fights, he's had three wins. He's had three wins within his last nine fights. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Kevin Holland on this one. I I think I think Stephen Thompson is is at the end of his career cycle. I know he still has a couple more fights on his contract, but I think this is just a bad matchup for him. And even though he was looking for a non-wrestler, uh, this is actually going to apply to Stephen Thompson and Kevin Holland. I think past this fight, I don't know how many more times the UFC is going to accommodate them. Because let's just say Kevin Holland does win. The division doesn't get any better with strikers. You just get better strikers and wrestlers, which is going to be a problem for Kevin Holland. It's going to be a problem for Wonderboy. So I believe both of these gentlemen are in a weird position given the weight class they're in. The, I call it the, the, the wrestling division, but the welterweight division has some of the most devastating wrestlers in it. So good luck to these gentlemen tonight. Um, Let's see what the future holds. Let's see what the future holds. Speaking of the future, we're not going to get into the fighter cards this time around, but we are going to talk about 282 for a brief second. Now, given the whole switch up with 282, given the whole shake up with the, uh, as we talked about earlier in this episode, This should be an interesting card. It was not one I was initially looking forward to, and I, I kind of still, it, it, it's not my favorite card. It's not my favorite lineup. But the crazy thing about these cards is they sometimes end up being straight bangers. So I'm going to go over a couple of these fights, and Actually, we're just going to skim through the schedule because some of these fights actually may drop off before they actually happen. Um, shout out to Almeida. That dude can't get a fight to save his fucking life. Um, but let's go through some of these fights because next week, I will definitely be going into depth about these fights. And I just want to rattle off the ones that I actually will be looking forward to. I mean, shit, it, it, can, it can change by then. My, my, my view... Uh, I doubt I'll cover every one of these fights, but um, let's just skim through some of these real quick. Hmm. So off the back, in the early prelims, we have OSP fighting, which is a pick'em against Antonio Chicali. Eh, I don't know if I'm really looking for that one. Um, OSP, I think his last fight against Shogun, he didn't look, he didn't look, it didn't look exciting at all. I, I, I was very, very disappointed in that fight. Let's go on, move on to early pre, or let's move on to prelims. Now, this is a, a definite one I'm going to touch on, and I'm going to go back and do a lot of video on this one because, or a lot of research, because I... This is a banger to open up the prelims for 282. It's Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley. Now, these guys have had words on the internet 
Um, they've been back and forth. I don't know what's being said. I don't follow either of these gentlemen like that, but there's something there. There's some animosity building there, which should lead to some trash talk and a good fight. I I, I kind of I I don't think we will. But this is the, these are the type of dudes you want to see in the, um, you know the 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 press conference before the fight. We got Edmund Shabazian popping back up. He's coming off. I believe he's coming off a loss. If not to Jack Hermanson, um, he's another guy in the middleweight division that has a problem with wrestlers. So he's coming off a loft to Imovov and Jack Hermanson. I and Derek Brunson. Oh, they they literally threw him to the wrestlers. His record's starting to look like Kevin Holland's. Anyways, Edmund Shabazian um was a promising fighter. He let's see if he can switch it up. Let's see. Uh uh, for some reason, I thought they fought before, but no. Um, Jarez and Rosenstrike versus Chris Dawkins, Kyle Dawkins' brother. Heavyweight banger for sure. And that tops off the prelim before the main event. Now, this main event for 282 is pretty packed. We got Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Teporia. Going to be... Most likely banger. Ilya Teporia is a killer. I believe he's still undefeated. 12 and 0. Let's see. Darren Till versus Dracus Duplee or Dracus Duplesis. That should definitely be a banger. Dracus Duplesis comes out to, to, to murder. And Darren Till is. Darren Till is a favorite for several, re- several reasons, as far as I'm concerned. But this is a defining fight for his career. And I think if he loses this one, the UFC may let him go. He's pulled out of too many fights, and I think he's lost too many in a row. Next up, Robbie Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. This should be a banger as well. I'm going to go with Santiago on this one early. Early snap judgment. I'm going to go with Santiago because I think Robbie Lawler, he's, he's, he's taken too much damage. He's taken too much damage, including the last fight against him in Barbarino, which is Barbarino's fighting the night against uh, Dos Anjos. But he took a lot of damage, and he looks like he's been slowing. He looks like he's been slowing down significantly. Uh, next up on that card, as the co-main, we had Paddy Pimlet moving up in competition against Jared Gordon, which should be Paddy Pimlet's biggest fights to date, if not Jared Gordon's biggest fight to date, especially if he can put Paddy Pimlet under his belt. And of course, to top off the main event for 282, we have Jan Blachowicz versus Ankalaev. Magomed Ankalaev. Now, I'm not much of a Magomed fan. Um, believe the dude's still undefeated. No, he's, he's 15 and 1. 
but let's check his record real quick as far as the UFC is concerned. Oh my God, 10 wins by KO. Ugh. So, as far as the UFC is concerned, ah, lost his first fight against Paul Craig, but has been undefeated since then. Has gone on a tear since his, basically his first fight in the UFC and his first loss. Paul Craig. And obviously, Jan Blachowicz, one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be, I'll keep it real. I don't believe Jan was going to win that last fight against uh, Rackage. I, I don't think he won, given Rackage got injured in that fight, um, which. I don't know what the UFC's thinking as far as putting Jan Blahovic against Ankalaev, but I think Ankalaev may walk away with a dub here. You can't sleep on Jan, but Ankalaev is a real deal. And Jan is, given his age, he is getting up there as well. Given what Glover Teixeira was able to do to him and, and basically uh, rip the title away, I don't think Jan. I think Jan is on his last couple of fights in the UFC, uh, in my opinion. I may be 100% wrong. Maybe he comes out here and starches Magomed Ankalaev, but I don't see it. Ankalaev's too safe. But we'll get in more to this, more into that next week. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for episode six of The Commando. Unpredictable, baby. Unpredictable unpredictable and being unpredictable since we didn't have fighter cards this week um maybe I'll, I'll i'll double up on the fighter cards next week maybe we'll come through with six fighter cards next week maybe i'm i'm, I'm spoiling people with giving too many fighter cards i don't know we're gonna make them better though i i, I want to make this process better and better and better better for all of you guys who stuck with me throughout this development process getting these episodes up and going um trying to be more consistent i know a couple of these audios have been you know pretty shaky but i i you you have to understand i appreciate every listener out there thank you so much for rocking with me and i always say this because people that are still downloading episodes that were released at this point it's almost a year ago like thank you Thank you. Obviously, I should be back next week. Next week should be a fun as well. But I'll say this. I, I like doing these when I'm able to have time to do the research. Um, some work days got switched around, so it kind of fucked up my schedule. But I sitting here and doing half-assed work or not doing the research I really want to do, I, I, it makes me not want to sit down. It makes these, <laughs> it makes these shows feel like depositions. It just feels like, you know, I'm pulling information out of my ass and I, I won't, I won't sit here and do that to, um, this show or to anyone listening. I actually, I want to build this into something that will change MMA. If not the landscape of how MMA is covered. And as always, I thank you guys for joining me. 
Catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace out.